Welcome back to the Mackinac on Michigan show brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. I'm Jarrett Scora. And the Michigan legislature has taken aim at the right to work law uh, passed a decade ago here in Michigan. We, we all sort of saw this one coming. Um, it's that law simply allowed the choice to pay union dues if you took a union job. It was giving people the option, allowing them. It wasn't destroying the unions, taking anything away. It was giving people choice. Um, but uh, we're joined by Jace Bolger, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives here in Michigan, uh, about what this means for Michigan. Jace, thanks for coming on the show. I bet, Kelly and Chair. Thanks you for having me. So, so what is your take on on? On what is the impact of the repeal, first of all, of right to work? Well, as you kind of noted, uh, I don't believe right to work is anti-union. I think it's pro-worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, since right to work's passage, uh, what we've seen is that unions have remained free to make the case, but workers became free to make their choice. And so the repeal of right to work really is a repeal or stripping away workers' Uh, right to choose. And so that, I think, is one impact. The other impact, I think, uh, the dangerous impact is on our economy. Um, uh, Since Right to Work's passage, we've seen more jobs, better pay, and a stronger Michigan. And uh, we can can unpack that. But I think that's what's really at risk. And uh, it's sad to see Democrats racing in such a partisan manner uh, and a political manner to uh, repay their their contributors, their friends, at the expense of Michigan's taxpayers. Yeah, I, you know, nobody really in the hearings on these bills, um, particularly on the Democratic side, I think, wrestled with this issue, this personal freedom issue. Um, <clears throat> so, my my mom and dad are public school teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was a teacher when the right to work bill went through, and they have, you know, things they liked about the unions. They have things they disagreed with. Um, we heard lots of stories from people when this bill was going through um, where there seems to just be this assumption like, hey, the union's doing all these great things for you. Of course, you should have to pay. And no wrestling with, um, you know, I heard from a paraprofessional uh, where the union uh, agreed to cut all their wages down to minimum wage in order to uh, get a longer contract extension that guaranteed dues going to the union. They didn't wrestle with uh, the guy we talked to recently, a part-time Kroger worker, who said, I wanted to negotiate some extra time off with management and some more flexibility, and the union stood in the way of that. Um, I've heard I work uh, as, as a wrestling official and a coach, and I hear, I've heard from many people that were in those communities where the stringency of the contract prevented them from being able to take, you know, come in early and leave early so that they could go coach or so that they could go officiate or deal with that. Um, and the union wasn't accommodating. And then, of course, you just had all the moral issues of people that just said, look, I'm with them on contract issues. I don't like where they're at on gun laws. I don't like where they're at on social issues that I mm-hmm. that I disagree with. Why, you know, we talk a lot about the economic effects. Why do you think the lack of people wrestling with those personal freedom moral effects where it's just, we don't care about that, You're, you got to pay a political group? Well, you mentioned several examples. And then, of course, there's the scandals at the UAW and workers' dues that were abused and flat-out stolen, and people in prison for yeah. how they uh, abused you know, Maybe people don't workers. want their money going to being <laughs> embezzled. I don't know. Like, maybe that's a personal <laughs> preference. Uh, what, the, what I think uh, right-to-work meant was accountability. Uh, workers 
freedom to choose equates to accountability, where they can exercise that accountability against their union. I talked to a lot of members who said, union members, who said, listen, I'm probably going to remain a union member, but I ought to have that right to choose because the union ought to have to earn my support. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what it did. So it's that accountability. For example, you would never elect a state representative to serve in office until or unless recalled. And that's what not having right to work really does uh, to workers. And, and of course, you've kind of gotten into uh, the exclusivity argument, uh, the exclusivity issue, uh, where the unions prevent workers from being able to negotiate their own standards, their own yeah. hours, their own pay, because they demand exclusivity. They want it that way. Mm -hmm. Ironically, then they turn around and they complain about workers who don't want to belong to the unions and use words like free loader or even free rider. Um, and they, uh, they deride those workers, but it's the union that creates that situation. They want that situation because they want to be in control of all of those negotiations. Yeah, uh, they deny that worker that freedom to make that, those arguments or those decisions. Yeah, and on, on, on that freeloader uh, issue, um, every, every city in, in Michigan here has a chamber of commerce. We have a state chamber of commerce. The legislature does not require that every business in the state belong to a chamber of commerce, even if, of course, that chamber of commerce says we're sitting here advocating for all businesses. Mm -hmm. We're advocating for business interests. We're fighting for lower taxes or less regulation or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you should make every business pay to us, and the ones that don't are freeloaders. We never argue that way. We say if you want to be in the Chamber of Commerce, be in the Chamber of Commerce. If you don't want to, you don't. And if the Chamber of Commerce came and whined to the lawmakers or whined to the Mackinac Center, we got a bunch of freeloaders. I would say, hey, make your case to them. Talk right. about why you're good for them, um, you know, even if they are getting some benefits that they're not paying for right now. Um, but I think more significantly, we, we know where we're at. The law is being repealed. What, what's next, Jace? Yeah. Well, I think there's a, there's a very open question about how people will react. You've got in Michigan about 150,000 workers who are about to lose that freedom of choice. Uh, I don't expect that they'll be happy about that. Um, you've got their families, their neighbors. Um, there's a strong support for right to work across the state. Polling shows regularly that there's uh, overwhelming support for right to work and very small uh, opposition or support for repeal. And so that begs the question, what should happen next? Um, a really, uh, I, I, I hate to use hypocritically or ironically because it's worse than that. Um, Governor Whitmer had pledged, not only pledged, she issued executive orders, not only issued executive orders, she lined and vetoed policy bills that had an appropriation in them because she said she was morally or principally opposed. Uh, she made it a big deal to uh, having an appropriation in a policy bill because that denies that bill from the opportunity to have a referendum or the people have a say, the people have a vote on whether that bill should become law or not. So those unhappy workers, uh, their families, etc., won't have that to turn to. Um, we do note, however, that Tennessee just went through a statewide vote, but they had a statewide vote on this issue, though, was to have right to work in the Constitution, to make sure that the, the workers' freedom to choose and that they couldn't be forced to join an organization in order to keep their job uh, would be a constitutional right, a civil liberty. 
And so uh, that passed overwhelmingly in Tennessee. So we, we see that with interest. Um, uh, those, uh, I think it's worth looking at. It's worth discussing. It's worth listening to workers who are impacted and determine uh, what comes next um, because it's fully expected that uh, Whitmer will again do an about face. She'll again uh, change uh, from what she pledged to do to do something different. Um, sadly, this is uh, in a long line of things for her. Uh, she had she said one thing on gas taxes, for example. She ridiculed a claim that she'd want to raise gas taxes 20 cents a gallon to only turn around once she was elected and proposed to raise them 45 cents a gallon. Just this uh, recently, uh, she was on CNN and said she ridiculed uh, those who complained about her COVID regulations about gardening and the, the lunacy of taping those sections off in stores mm -hmm. um, and said that was in February uh, in winter and nobody was gardening. Well, the simple facts show her orders show was in April. It was in spring. Um, and so she's repeatedly said things that aren't true. Uh, she's indicating that this is yet another case of that, where she said she would never sign a bill that denied people the right to have a vote on an issue, and yet she appears poised to do that. Jace, uh, we kind of talked through a lot of examples of people who, who don't want to be in the union but want a union job. There's broad support amongst union members for right to work. We know that in a lot of the polls. But now we've got a proposal out there that they give a refundable tax credit potentially to uh, to union members to essentially have taxpayers foot the bill for mm -hmm. union dues. So now we're going to have, it, it, should this bill go through, we're going to have taxpayers paying for union memberships. Do you think that that would offset any of the um, opposition to this repeal by union members or make it harder to make the case for putting right to work in the Constitution? And what's your general thought on a refundable tax credit for this? I think if the voters um, saw that, they saw that taking effect, it would energize them mm -hmm. uh, to do something about it. I think it's offensive that a private organization like the unions would seem to be funded by taxpayer dollars. It's not essentially. I mean, that's exactly what would be happening. And right. uh, we talk about accountability. It would be a full refund for anything the union charged. There would be no reason for them to keep their costs in line they, because they would tell employees it doesn't matter. The taxpayers are going to pay for it anyway. So right. they could ring up any charges they want. So this is uh, beyond an overreach, uh, beyond cronyism or just political payback, payoff. Uh, this would be shuffling taxpayer money to the same organizations whose leaders are in jail right now for how they've handled <laughs> the union members do, and we'd be handle, handing them taxpayer dollars. So I think voters would be offended. I think workers would be further energized, and I think it would further make the case that this is not just a step too far, but uh, many leaps too far. And unfortunately, it's many leaps too far backwards. Yeah. It goes back to the failed Granholm era, the, the era that we've struggled for the last decade to climb out of. Former Speaker of the House, Jace Bolger, thanks for coming on. We, we really appreciate your perspective and, and your work here uh, on this issue. You bet. Good to be with you. Thank you. And we'll be back after a brief break with more of the Mackinac, Michigan show here on WJO.